the Whole Healing Podcast. Healing through nutrition by connecting your mind, body, and food. talk about veganism versus carnivore heck yeah i do oh my gosh what what, what team are you on jack what's what side, what side? <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know i'm gonna be somewhere in the middle but if if uh if i had to choose right and i think it's kind of fun like if you had to really be on one side or the other i'd probably lean towards veganism uh i think for me i think it'd be a little easier to maintain long term i think i could be you know more creative in the kitchen there, explore with a lot of plant-based foods, probably meet, still meet nutrient needs, but yeah, we can get into nitty gritty. What side uh, would, would you all choose? That's tough. I'm definitely with you, Jack, and preferably I would choose the middle. Um, yeah. But if I had to pick, I think I'm also with you leaning more towards veganism um, in the sense of creativity. Um, I think that you're able to get a few more vitamins and minerals. Um, I think there's a little bit more variety that it lends itself to. Um, I also think that you're able to get different antioxidants and um, polyphenols that you just can't get with the carnivore-based diet. Um, protein, of course, is a little bit more challenging. Um, but I think if I had to pick, it would be veganism as well. Mm -hmm. Jenna, carnivore? <laughs> Uh, you know, like, so uh, obviously the right answer is omnivore, right? Like obviously yeah. somewhere in the middle is, is the right answer because then you're getting a variety of nutrients. There are certain nutrients that you can't get in meat, like vitamin C. And there are certain nutrients that you don't get enough of in, in, in a plant-based diet, like magnesium, like selenium, like iodine, like iron, um, absorbable iron protein. B12. Like yeah. B12. I oh my God. B12 is not in any plants, is it? Nutritional yeast. That's the only it, one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so important for energy production. Right. And so, gosh, like, can you imagine not having enough energy? And that's how, what happens to so many people, I think, who go vegan and they don't do the work to like, just work with a dietitian and like, just figure out what their diet looks like. If it's going to, if it's going to meet all their nutrient needs by taking out a major food group like meat. Um, but you know, I gotta be honest, mm -hmm. like, I think I'm, I'm biased because I'm autoimmune. Right. And autoimmune nutrition really does favor meat production. Um, at least in one approach, there are, there are plenty of vegans um, who are autoimmune and, and they go the the other way. And, and it can be a little more, um, I think a little more challenging on the gut, but it also, it also, I think is more, um, effective at boosting the gut health and like gut integrity and gut strength. So it's, they're just different. Right. Um, I think also my big consideration is animal wellness and welfare and like, Honestly, guys, I don't know about you, but like I've done the research. I don't know if like 1% of our meat is ethically raised and slaughtered in this country. It's so bad. The quality of care in life is so, so, so bad for the meat that we eat. And I think it was Gandhi who said that we should base our opinions of a country based off of how they treat their animals. And like, we're probably the mm. worst in the world. <laughs> it's that bad. That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 So in a perfect world, I would be carnivore, but I would also only buy my meat from locally, um, locally raised farms. Um, yeah. I think that would be the best case scenario, <laughs> but who can I'm afford it? Well, yeah, fully with you. I think it, it's, I mean, when you look at what, what are we at? 300, 
40 million people in this country. It, uh, you know, when you're talking about producing enough protein, meat, fish, poultry, all food for that many people, it's pretty hard not to follow like, um, in, uh, the, the ways that we're doing, I, things need to be revised. No doubt about it. Ideally we get back into like this, everybody gets their, their produce, their, their animal products from a locally sourced small scale farm. But I think just, uh, money rules over everything. And that has come in and disrupted our food chain a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I mean, to totally with you. I think uh, that's, if you're going to spend money on like really picky, I think about uh, high quality food, I'd probably start with the meat, you know, really? I, I would. Yeah. I mean, I, I would choose, I would try to, you know, find a local butcher I uh, and prioritize putting my money there. Even if it's a little bit more expensive as opposed to just even like organic vegetables, I mean, depending on where they are. And so forth. I just I think that um, bang for the buck goes f further when it, when you're talking about overall health with yeah, animal foods. I agree, That's and I think the variance between like um, that higher quality meat and the meat that we see is like very hormonally processed, um, unethically sourced, is a lot greater than vegetables, in my opinion, at least. With like organic yeah. versus not, I think that while there's a difference, it's a little bit smaller than that like difference between those two types of meat. Mm -hmm. yep fully fully agree so i think yeah i mean pros with with carnivore uh you know i got a few things written down here i think like one it's it's fairly simple to follow right and if you're in like the structure there and i think when people are trying to change behaviors trying to get on some kind of new dietary pattern that's maybe actually minimally processed and good if it's simple here's a list of things you can't have Here's what you can't have. It's just easier for people to kind of do that, right? So I, that simplicity factor is good. Uh, it can be very minimally processed, right? Uh, if you, again, make Thank the right, right choices there, 100%. Right? I think that that's like a caveat with both. I think veganism and, and carnivore, meat-based, right? It, they can both be very minimally processed or they can be pretty processed too. So that right. comes down to individual choices. And that, I mean, I know obviously carnivore is coming onto the scene now and we're going to get more probably research on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some favorable stuff with, with diabetes, you know, being Thank that you. protein centric, yes. um, with weight that loss. intake, weight Ketosis. loss, yeah, absolutely. Digestive issues. Yeah. But Emily, what were you saying about hormones? Um, even hormonally, I mean, like our hormones need protein and very high quality protein, right? With all amino acids and with a vegan diet, that is really, really difficult to get. Um, and so really important to consider, especially too, with most women not meeting their protein needs. Um, but I want to say, I read this stat the other day, but I think over 50% of women are eating less than half. Um, of their protein needs? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll have to fact check that. But like, I do know that it's a drastic number of women that are just not getting their protein needs. And it's, I mean, in turn of dieting and restricting calories and things like that. So when we're eating less calories, by nature, we'll get less protein, but also really aiming to get those um, food sources in there when we do choose our snacks and foods and meals. I love that. And I think, yeah, I, I, I know that there's some research out of the um, University of Florida that talks about women and their protein needs and women having higher protein needs than even men. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important for women to recognize that like we have to get that protein in. And I think 
another really interesting thing about carnivore diet is that it's because it's so high protein, it's super appetite suppressing, right? Like there, I don't know about you guys, but there is nothing that kills my appetite more than protein. And so I think what, what I see when I, when I see people who are doing exclusively carnivore is their intake of overall energy and calories is so much lower. And so you just eat less calories and you become more efficient at burning your own internal fat stores, which is why I think it's such a potent, um, strategy for weight loss. And, and you really do actually enter a low state of, of ketosis. Like, I mean, essentially carnivore is a, a very low mellow ketogenic diet. It's like a keto diet, but, mm. but it's carnivore. And so, um, just depending also on how much fat you're getting in ribeye versus, you know, turkey breast, um, how much fat mm. you're getting as well. But, but I do think that we're going to see higher rates of ketosis with carnivore diets and, and a lot more weight loss because it's, it's easy, it's high protein. So it's super satiating. And also it's allowing your body to tap into its fat stores. Completely. And I actually, I was speaking with a client about this the other day, but there's, um, research coming out that's linking your blood type to how you are more efficient or less efficient at, um, breaking down different nutrient sources. So like type O is really good with high protein, the meats, the fish. Um, I believe type AB is better with dairies and tofus and grains and fruits. Um, type A is a little bit more fruit and veggie oriented. So I wonder if that has a impact too, like depending on your blood type, this omnivore versus vegan um, conversation. Wow. So the blood type diet back in the 1980s actually has some scientific validity to it. That's fascinating. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Coming out. I was uh, reading into the Harvard um, study. They had just, I think it was within a year, um, was talking about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that is something to, I think, ex- explore, look into. I, when I initially heard about it, like, you know, I just, I couldn't help but think that it was ridiculous. But, you know, with, with following like certain foods for certain blood, blood types, but maybe that's just like my, my initial like bias or just thinking like, how could that, could that really, could there really be a link there? And I'll be honest, I haven't really dove in, dove into the research with it, uh, with, with blood types. Cause it was, well, there was like one famous author, right? It was, a, it's probably an MD. Yeah, it was like, like um, Pete, Peter, I want to say Dr. Peter. Okay. Last name. I know who you're talking about. He wrote the blood type diet. And I mean, like, it's, I mean, it makes so much sense though, right? Genetics. Like if you, and if you guys think about it, like think, I, I don't know the way I look at it is like, you know, thousands of years ago when there were people who were living in the Amazon versus people who were living in Alaska, like, like you're, 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 you're inflicting epigenetic changes onto your body by just consuming a high fat diet or a high carb diet, not just on your genes, but in your gut microbiome. Like, so, so of course to me, like, and those influence your genes ultimately anyway. So I think absolutely we're going to see genetic variances in what you can metabolize and digest optimally according to your genes. Like that just makes so much Mm -hmm. sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. Genes. Yeah. I I can get, I think on board with more just because there's more variation there like nutrigenomics in that world. But your um, blood, blood is type. genes. Your blood yeah. type is genetic. I know, I know. But like blood type, where I really have like what, four, five, six blood types. Um, so like, I think there's, there's, you can't, it's hard. It would be hard for me to like blanket recommend, make recommendations for people that have just one blood type. Um, but there could be some correlations there. there. There could. I just think with, if you really get into look at like the full genetic report of someone you can really see where there are some specific snips where you can make specific personalized um, recommendations from there maybe a combination for sure i want to send all my clients to you for genetic testing sorry emily go ahead i was gonna say i wonder what our blood types are we should all do a yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. hey we can do it 
Um, but yeah, I think getting back to, you know, carnivores plant-based or vegan for a bit. I, uh, I do think obviously there's some pros with, with vegan too. I mean, if you do, there's more, it's been around longer, right? So there's a lot, there's it, there is more data there, large population studies and, and, you know, veganism is linked with like lower blood pressure, uh, lower rates of cancer, lower rates of type two diabetes, obviously the environmental and ethical, component and impact is is greater no one's going to deny that like eating plant-based is better for the environment um and yeah but there's all there's so many caveats with that too and, and I, I think with uh there's so many confounding variables when you look at that and like we said there's some issues with it you don't you're going to struggle to meet probably iron calcium b12 protein uh think omega-3s <laughs> omega-3s right? for sure Definitely, and look at how look at how little research there is for carnivore diets. Like there's, there's none, right? Like you can look at like the, like Google scholar or wherever you want to look PubMed for carnivore diets, literally nothing on the web mm -hmm. right now versus veganism, which has been around for thousands of years. There's so much going to be so much more literature around. Totally. It. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just a matter of time before we look at more of that. And we have, I mean, there is high fat, high protein diets and keto diets that may follow something similar, but not, not strictly carnivore. And I wonder too, if like, um, I know with climate change, um, the nutrients in the soil is changing the vitamin and mineral content in food now. So I wonder yeah. if that's going to start to play a role where you see the fruits and vegetables are so highly um, sought after and expressed because of these vitamins and minerals. But if we're not getting that anymore because of the soil quality, what does that do for the vegan diet too? Like, do you mm -hmm. have not just B12, but um, other factors that you could be missing? magnesium selenium all of your soil-based minerals yeah we're, we're yeah <laughs> that's real no that's definitely real i and i think we we would all agree like if you if someone follows either one of these supplementation is completely necessary and with some things right um yeah but yeah, i worry i worry about the you know, the the true nutrient density and quality of all the things that are grown on in our ground with, you know, this, we've, we messed up our soil quite a bit. So it's with monocropping and we can go down that path, but yeah. uh, it's, it's problematic. Brittany, what do it you is. think? Are you carnivore or vegan? I would love to be neutral, of course, but it would definitely be carnivore. I was, you know, coming from, you know, a completely different country. There was no division between I mean, our meat was always been has always been um like from a farm or like a local farm, and we don't have a lot of places in the Philippines that mass produce meat. Um, and even if it's a third world country, you know, sometimes like there's the bird flu. Remember, I don't know how familiar you guys are with that. So they will kill off all the chickens, and then there's um the pig flu. It's called something I can't remember, but they'll kill off all you know. Yes, swine flu, and the thing is with us when things like that happen we burn our animals for the greater good here we don't know what they do you know i i, I follow um posts like even on tiktok and on um on facebook about like you know people who are like oh we're just gonna cut this part of the meat and sell it you know and they say if you go to like a lot of grocery stores it's supposed to be meat they'll just douse it in blood and then it looks fresh so I don't, you know, I, I don't really know. And and being here, if it was me being here, I would just eat the veggies. Um, but again, how do we know if something is really 
um, organic or non-organic. You know, sometimes you think about that too. Is it only because you're, you know, you're paying more money for something organic, but what's, what's really organic, right? You know, we say that's non-GMO foods, um, things that are not doused in pesticides, but how are we so sure? It's, it's really, really interesting coming here. I don't know, you know, I know that you guys go to a lot of like, um, farmer's markets, but I like to also go to like the Asian market, you know, in the Asian market, they source a lot of their food out of Mexico because it cannot ruin the United States. So, um, and you can tell a difference. I feel like vegetables here, sometimes they are saturated in water for some reason. I'll, you know, Chinese eggplants, they're huge. Um, but in the Asian store, the Chinese Asian uh, Chinese um, eggplants that I know are really like they're thinner and they're longer and they're a more vibrant purple. They're not genetically modified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Italians use those really big um, um, eggplants too, but it's a different color. So I don't like to eat eggplants from the, the, the grocery store here. I go to the Asian store and buy those eggplants. They taste different as well. And you can't grill those eggplants per se because it's too wet, in my opinion. But the one that I grew up with, the one I buy in the Asian stores, is perfectly fine. So I don't know. It's it's hard mm -hmm. to tell. I was going to say, you really bring up a really good point with like the quality of meat in this country. And especially with like bird flu and swine flu. I mean, I, we're seeing like pretty terrifying cases of, of different animal flus right now that are getting transmitted to humans across the globe. America, it's not so common, but there's a lot of outbreaks right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I encourage everyone to explore, find a local butcher in their area. You know, they, there's some high quality and, and the community feel you get. And, you know, they, they really, you can see how much they can care about their animals and how long they can live too. I mean, geez. Um, so I, you know, again, it probably it's going to be a little bit more expensive depending on where and what what you're getting. But that's one way. That's a good step, at least, to try to begin with getting higher quality meats. I agree. I I think one one last thing I want to throw in, and this is something that I think everybody should think about. Um, you know, gut issues, right? Like if if you're yeah. vegan and and or if you're if you have gut issues and you decide that you want to go vegan, like there's a couple of considerations that I think would be huge, right? And like so, the one of the things is the fiber and the lectins, the phytates, the tannins, the oxalates, right? All of these, some people call them anti nutrients. I just like to think of them as nutrients that compete for absorption. Um, with mm -hmm. other nutrients and, and can impair absorption of iron and zinc and calcium. Um, and so that's a consideration, but, but I think more importantly, number two, and I, and I think as dietitians, we're always told like, you know, at the cost of not eating vegetables, if they're not organic, people should just always eat them versus not eating them at all because they're not organic. And I think like, I would honestly take the counter argument side and say, like, if you're eating a ton of vegetables that contain glyphosate and pesticides, they may not be doing anything to your human cells, but they do a lot of damage to your microbiome. And I think that if somebody eats more vegetables and eats more than, and, and, and doesn't go, doesn't decide to make the decision to eat organic when, it, especially when applicable, like the dirty dozen, um, I think you're, in, you are therefore also increasing your pesticide intake. And so we really have to think about that as practitioners and as, and as Americans who are just consuming foods. Um, you know, I, I really did decide, like I'd been eating like clean with organic with a dirty dozen for years. And I decided to go full blown organic. There's very few 
vegetables, produce, fruits that I eat that are not organic anymore. And I realize that's a privilege and not everybody can do that. It took me a really long time to get there, but I've had gut issues for a really long time. And I really don't have gut issues anymore since going organic. Um, and I think that's just something, a self-observation that, that really is important to think about. That's real. Absolutely. I mean, especially with glyphosate, I do see direct correlations with dysbiosis and intestinal permeability there. So I, that's a, that's a problem. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a privilege, but I think yeah, when you can, organic is probably best. Uh, it is. And when, and then one last thing with the gut thing too, it's like, yeah, I, the anti-nutrients, interesting conversation there. I think overall still probably good to get right a variety of vegetables in and um, you're going to still absorb a lot of those nutrients, but um, also the lack of fiber that you may have going carnivore. Right? Do you think it, you need fiber? I think you do. I know. Do you? It, it, Prove I, it. <laughs> Prove it. I don't well, think I guess you know. on, a, on a fundamental biological level, like is, is fiber necessary to live? Pro I don't I think don't, it is. I don't is think it? so. But, um, and I know it, it, there's it, everybody's gut is a bit different and where, where they're at, um, where they're, you know, cause I think some people absolutely should not actually have high fiber diets if they have a lot of inflammation going on or certain inflammatory diseases in the gut. Right. But I still do believe in the power of fiber as a prebiotic, um, supporting gut health. Yeah. I'm a big proponent for, of fiber. For most people. Also think finding the fiber that works for you too, right? Like soluble or insoluble, different types of fiber, like how your digestion is. Are you prone to constipation are you prone to more frequent bowel movements like where do you lie and what fiber sources could really target that for you um mm -hmm. yeah i would yeah. say i would agree with you jack i don't think it's an essential nutrient but it does help you colonize a healthy microbiome um do you have to have fiber to to colonize a healthy microbiome uh, i don't know it's conflicting but but i i, I do think that you guys make a good point as far as, um, as far as the type of fiber, Emily, for sure. I think so, especially according to how, how much gut inflammation you have and how much your body can tolerate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think all of our choices are omnivore, right? Uh, ultimately, <laughs> yes. uh, but good, good, good debates, good talks. And I think for healthcare professionals in general, we should all be like informed on the different dietary trends. And so that, you know, cause if people want to follow them, you know, we should be able to support them. Um, and, and, uh, make sure that they're not missing out on any major areas too, with their nutrition supplementation, likely necessary with either of these. Amen. Jack support, never convert. It always goes back to that. Best. Thank you.